Hey, it's Mike, and I just want to say thanks for checking out my podcast. I hope you like what I have to say. And if you do like what I have to say in the podcast, then I guarantee you're going to like my books. Now, I have several books, but the place to start is Bigger, Leaner, Stronger if you're a guy and Thinner, Leaner, Stronger if you're a girl. I mean, these books, they're basically going to teach you everything you need to know about dieting, training, and supplementation to build muscle, lose fat, and look and feel great without having to give up all the foods you love or live in the gym grinding through workouts that you hate. Now, you can find these books everywhere you can buy them online, you know, Amazon, Audible, iBooks, Google Play, Barnes & Noble, Kobo, and so forth. And if you're into audiobooks like me, you can actually get one of them for free with a 30-day free trial of Audible. To do that, go to www.muscleforlife, that's musclef.com forward slash audiobooks, and you can see how to do that there. I make my living primarily as a writer, so as you can imagine, every book sold helps. So please do check out my books if you haven't already. Now, also, if you like my work in general, then I think you're going to really like what I'm doing with my supplement company, Legion. As you may know, I'm really not a fan of the supplement industry. I've wasted who knows how much money over the years on worthless junk supplements and have always had trouble finding products that I actually liked and felt were worth buying. And that's why I finally decided to just make my own. Now, a few of the things that make my supplements unique are, one, they're 100% naturally sweetened and flavored. Two, all ingredients are backed by peer-reviewed scientific research that you can verify for yourself because we explain why we've chosen each ingredient and we cite all supporting studies on our website, which means you can dive in and go validate everything that we say. Three, all ingredients are also included at clinically effective dosages, which are the exact dosages used in the studies proving their effectiveness. And four, there are no proprietary blends, which means that you know exactly what you're buying. Our formulations are 100% transparent. So if that sounds interesting to you, then head over to legionathletics.com. That's L-E-G-I-O-N athletics.com. And you can learn a bit more about the supplements that I have, as well as my mission for the company, because I want to accomplish more than just sell supplements. I really want to try to make a change for the better in the supplement industry, because I think it's long overdue. And ultimately, if you like what you see and you want to buy something, then you can use the coupon code PODCAST, P-O-D-C-A-S-T, and you'll save 10% on your first order. So thanks again for taking the time to listen to my podcast, and let's get to the show. Hey, it's Mike. I just want to say thanks, as usual, for checking out another episode of the podcast. In this episode, I interview Ben Coomber, who is a popular nutritionist and uh, trainer and coach. And he does a lot of seminars, actually. And uh, he has a very popular podcast. I think he's actually number one uh, in the the UK for health and fitness on, on iTunes. And he also has a rather extensive uh, kind of advanced learning program called Body Type Nutrition Academy, which um, I didn't actually know. I I knew that he had it. I just didn't know that uh, he has has programs ranging from two to like two months to like two years. He's also an author and uh, coming out with a a line of supplements that I I don't know too much about yet, but I'm curious to see what what he's going to be doing on that front. Um, because I, I like Ben. He's a good guy. He's science-based. He gets good results. Um, he's worked with hundreds and hundreds of people personally and probably actually worked with thousands. I don't even know. He's been around for a while and, and he knows, he knows his stuff and it's always fun to talk to him. Plus he's uh, a Brit and uh, British people are just, are just cool. I just like talking to him. Uh, they're, they're always so chill and so nice and I don't know. I, I like British people. So that's Ben. 
and let's get to the interview. Hey, Ben, thanks for coming on my show. I was on your show last time, and uh, I got, uh, hopefully, your, hopefully your people liked it. I got some good feedback. I've gotten emails from guys, hey, I, I heard you on Ben's show. I like what you had to say. Seems like you have a, a pretty cool crowd. We do, we do. Uh, and I try and get a lot of feedback from people. I try and say, look, tell us what you think, what you like, tag yeah. us in on Twitter, start a conversation, because ultimately, if you don't get to talk about this stuff with the people that are sharing the knowledge, then it kind of feels like you're not engaged in the process. And a podcast can be a bit of a one-way street sometimes. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, it's kind of, if I, if I understood you correctly on that, where like you know, a lot of people that you're saying that, that uh, are, I mean, I don't even, I don't hold myself up as any sort of guru or even much of an expert. I mean, what I'm talking about, the majority of this stuff is very basic, very simple. I'm not somebody like, you know, uh, you have guys like Eric Cressy and Gentlecore and Contreras and those guys are, are on another level for sure. But, um, where even, even these basics, the stuff that we talked about and that I am constantly talking about and writing about a lot of, a lot of people are not talking about them because they're just kind of doing their thing. And you find that is, is that, is that, is that what you're saying that I understand you correctly? Well, yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're the, kind the majority of, of like the books and the best-selling books are talking about the fat-burning principles of fat-burning foods and all that bullshit. You know what I mean? It's just like well, a podcast is, you know, we're standing here talking to people and people are just listening. And mm. sometimes people just don't go, do you know what? I'd really like to go and engage with these people. They almost feel like they can't sometimes. So I just, I'm so active at reminding people, look, come and talk to us. We'll talk back on Twitter. Let's get a conversation going because otherwise you don't want to – Otherwise, you do pitch yourself as this kind of expert guy. And after all, we're just people. You yeah. know, we're just people trying to help other people and engage in conversation. Yeah, I totally agree. So I misunderstood you, but I agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's very true. That's also why I, I, I've myself intentionally kept that very open in terms of emails and still responding to people's emails. And I intend on, on always allotting time for that just because I think it's the right thing to do. I don't know. I think like it would have been helpful for me back when I didn't, when I was just like reading bodybuilding magazines and doing stupid workouts and trying all these dumb diets and shit. It would have been nice to be able to just email somebody and been like, Hey, so I've been reading these magazines. What do you think about this? And have that person respond and be like, nah, it's all bullshit here. Go read these few things, go read this book and you're good. That would have been nice. <laughs> oh, definitely. I think if we put ourselves out there as people that others can learn from, we need to accept that people will want to ask us questions. We need to kind of be available for that. You know, there, there is a limit to that, of course, but sure. it's kind of our duty in a way. I agree. I agree. You know that, um, I think I got this from, there was like this book that talked about the habits and routines of all different types of people throughout history, creatives and r ranging from like artists to business people to inventors to whatever. And it was, uh, Charles Darwin throughout his entire life would spend uh, a large portion of every night answering letters from, uh, from, you know, just readers and just people, not, not, not peers necessarily, just random people out there. That was something that was something he did consistently throughout his life though. Like when he was Charles Darwin and, and now he was, so he didn't, he didn't like once he made it quote unquote, be like, ah, oh, I don't give a shit what people say anymore. Like, I don't like, I'm not gonna waste my time with these people. He uh, made a point of, of, and that was like handwriting letters, of course, for a few hours, I believe it was every night for his entire life. He kept that up. Wow. If he can do that, we can do a couple of emails. I, I tell myself that sometimes. I'm like, yeah. where I have a lot of emails and I'm like, hey, fucking Charles Darwin did it. And, uh, you know, uh, Neil Gaiman, you know, the famous writer, uh, mm -hmm. he also, I was listening to an interview with him where he was saying that 
he, he always does that as well, right? So he's always like answering emails and, and on social media, engaging with his, his fans and his readers and stuff. And, uh, but it got bad where he was saying like he was spending, you know, he felt like he was a, a f- almost like a full time email answer and part time writer where he was spending like five, six hours a day doing email. And then by the time he would like, okay, he needs to write, he needs to get that next book done. He would feel like, I mean, it's, it can be kind of mentally draining to, to answer emails cool. for six hours, you know. <laughs> But again, he still did it though, and he had to, he actually had to tell himself like, all right, I need to chill out, I need to cut this back, or I'm just like not going to get my work done. You know what I mean? So, anyways, I think that's pretty cool when I hear stuff like that. So let's get on to the point of why you're here. So first, uh, you know, we come over a couple topics that I thought would be cool to talk about, and one is um, you have you know we could say it's not really a Awards. Just you have these different schools of thought in terms of dieting. So you have paleo, primal type stuff, very, very popular right now. Gluten free, very popular right now. If it fits your macros or flexible dieting is, is, is popular in the fitness world and it's gaining a little bit of mainstream popularity. I don't know if you saw, I think CBS or some, someone, do you see that it came out on flexible mm-hmm. dieting and it got, it made the rounds and, you know, I, I think they were talking with Lane Norton in it. So Norton was just talking about flexible dieting. Um, and et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, what's your take on, on these, you could say they're fad diets. I mean, they kind of are, although some are seem to be here to stay, but. Well, uh, I think Lane's done a brilliant job of flying the flag for flexible dieting, yeah. um, especially in the population that he kind of works in bodybuilding. People can easily get very orthorexic about that style of eating, mm-hmm. uh, both on a, on a healthy and unhealthy level. Orthorexia is just a, an obsession of essentially the details of what you perceive as healthy. Um, and we all package nutrition in different ways as, as healthy. Um, if you ask one guy what is healthy, the next guy will say something slightly different. It's all our own interpretation. Now, How would you know, define see, healthy food? Like, when, What does that mean to you? I think straight off the bat, I describe as a healthy food as something that was grown or swam or was reared. You know, it's essentially one single ingredient food mm-hmm. or that food was closely made from those ingredients. Mm-hmm. So you know, min- like, minimally processed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it has all the, the constituents that it's meant to. You know, if you if you look at a piece of steak, it's, it's all still there. It has the protein <laughs> and everything. It hasn't been screwed up uh, by someone in a lab. Now, I suppose the thing with all these diets is that people, you know, can become cult-like and really invest themselves heavily in these diets. And while I appreciate um, that people want to kind of really believe and follow and and buy into something, I think every diet has its pros and its cons. Mm -hmm. And people just need to be aware and critically stand back and go, right, logically, what are the pros from this diet? You know, we'll look at the paleo diet. And there is some incredibly valuable information from the paleo world, single ingredient foods, look at inflammatory foods, etc. High, um, high protein kind of dieting. Bre- exactly. We've yeah. breached the whole gluten-free thing with them, dairy. Um, but there's limitations to that, right? There's people that have taken that to the extreme and gone, no one should eat gluten, no one should eat dairy, no one should eat a, a baked bean. And it's like, well, hang on a second. Or, or a potato or something. Like, what, what are you talking about? Exactly. So people have taken it to that extreme, but people haven't been critical enough to stand back and go, well, does that sound rational? Does it sound logical? Um, so they'll read an article, they'll think, oh my God, this guy says baked beans are bad. I'm never going to eat baked beans on toast again because it's got gluten and beans. Yeah. Um, so I don't mind people you know, following a certain setup, but they still have to see where the diet's limitations are and be critical for themselves. 
I it can believe- be hard though because sometimes that you know you can read an article or read the books or uh, on on let's say paleo or primal that that through you know it's it's very easy to take uh, if you have a half of a brain to make a pseudoscientific argument for anything you know you can you can misinterpret research you can talk about you can cite studies that got disproven later that you don't talk about you know there's a lot of ways to do that so just to stand up, it can, it can be hard for, for people if, if that's their first entry. You know what I mean? If they're like, hmm, I've heard about paleo. Let me read this. And it can be real convincing. Like you could read a guy like Mark Sisson, whose work I do like. I mean, Mark is a super smart dude, a really good writer. Like I admire him just as a person, but, um, you know, and, and his primal thing is kind of like paleo light. So I can appreciate that. But, you know, you could read certain things that he writes and, and, and come away convinced like, oh, shit, this is the way. Like, there's no other, like, why would I do anything else? Oh, definitely. And I think, you know, we're in a gifted position now because you and me know a lot. We've kind of been there. We've been, to, like, especially even more with you, the training. Like, you've been through all these different workouts, systems, that kind of stuff. Me with the nutrition, you know, I've followed paleo. I've followed fasting. I've mm-hmm. followed all sorts of stuff. And at the time, you know, I bought into it to a degree, because you know the the writers that were saying this stuff were so convincing, um, and I but I still think I wasn't being critical enough. I wasn't standing back mm. and viewing it with a bigger picture because I was just interested in my end goal. And I got this diet and attached it to my goal and go, well, if I want to achieve this goal, I have to do this diet. And I had my blinkers on. I had tunnel vision because all I was focusing on was my goal. But I didn't stand back and go, you know, look at the variable. So. I understand people's frustrations. We live in a world of information and misinformation. Mm-hmm. But for people, I just I just want to say, look, take five minutes, stand back, put your thinking cap on, and don't just jump straight back to the news feed on Facebook and look at the next cat falling off a wall in between <laughs> articles. It's just being aware. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's a good point. I think also there's something to be said for this is something at least I try to do when I get into anything, really, if I'm gonna whether it be a hobby or whatever is try to first establish the, um, the most important information uh, in terms of principles, uh, and, and try not to try to go to, to the original source of, you know, so in, in this case, it would be, it, it's risky to, to just rely on someone else's presentation of research or interpretation of research. If you just read a book, I mean, that person has a, they're going to, they have something they're trying to uh, usually a philosophy or, or agenda of some kind to sell you. And then it's very easy to mold that as opposed to going and looking at uh, the research yourself. So like in terms of energy balance, for example, if we're talking about diet, that was one of the first things when I was like decided to actually educate myself on dieting. One of the first things that I, that made sense to me, like this is a fundamental principle of dieting. This is, you know, we have a hundred plus years of metabolic research here. I can go read these papers for myself and I trust, uh, you know, a review of 70 years of metabolic research and what that paper has to say on, on energy balance more than I trust some random dude who says that, you know, I don't care about his supposed credentials. He has stuff to sell and he says energy balance is a hoax. Uh, you know what I mean? So that, at least that was, that, that, that was kind of when I first started looking into it, like, it's more work that way and it's tougher, but I feel that I, 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 it pointed me in the right direction. And I was able to then go, all right, these are the things that are most important. These are the things that are less important um, and judge things accordingly. But as, as we've become uh, good practitioners though, we've been able to do that. And yeah. f- for a layman to read research, 
man, that stuff's tough. You know, I still struggle with a lot of research. I'm like, I just, I just don't know what those numbers mean. Um, so it can be tough. So you, you have to rely on people's interpretation. Um, I think, you know, the industry has been gifted a little bit by the work of Examine. I think Examine yeah. works fantastic. Examine.com, just so the, the listeners know. Yeah, great, yeah. great, great resource. Yeah, and we, it's something we actually provide to all our students. We pay for the UK license. Hmm that all our uh, students uh, get that so that they can keep up with the research. But, you know, these are guys are going, but this is what creatine is, what it means, and this is what the research actually says. Yep. And to have that in our industry right now with zero bias is, is, a, is a gift. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. Yeah, huge resource. I check things on it all the time myself. And, yeah, I'm a big fan of Examine and, uh, you know, the, the all the guys behind it and what they're doing. Um, so that that's paleo. That's primal. So, what would you say are the ups and ups and upside and downside of something like flexible dieting? Which is, you know, a lot of people think that is like you said. They can. Well, I'll let you, I'll let you take it. So we'll, let's talk about that. <laughs> so, well, flexible dieting for me is is a is a massive pro. It it allows people to understand whether they can bring in quote unquote bad foods into their diet. Mm-hmm. So. You know, we've classically, especially in the paleo, primal, eat natural environment, been almost scared to eat some foods. It's like, you need to eat this and only this. And if you slip up, you're a bad person. And then, you know, that's when these binge cycles come in because people feel that I'll screw it. Shame. Yeah. Uh, well, I've eaten a donut now, so I might as well spend all weekend eating donuts and I'll maybe get back on my diet on Monday. Yeah. So, you know, the, the kind of science, as you mentioned, of energy in, energy out is largely going to control body composition. So we need to take faith in that and say, right, mm-hmm. I need to get my calories right if I'm concerned about body composition or a goal of losing or gaining weight. And within that calorie amount, there is a certain amount that I'm willing to forego for processed foods. And I usually say that should be 10%. I know a lot of people will say 20%. I think that's a little bit high because I'm a big fan of uh, micronutrition and really getting as much in you as possible. Yeah. Um, I agree, especially if calorie intake, like someone's in a calorie deficit and and if say it's like it's a girl that, you know, she's not very big to start out with. And if she's going to be getting 20% of her daily calories from shit food, that can actually be quite a bit. Exactly. Um, you know, so it allows people to go, all right, okay, I'm going out on a Friday night. I'm eating 3,000 calories. I want 1,000 of those calories to be on pizza. It's not ideal, but I'm still going to be able to stick towards my goals. And it allows people to go, right, yeah, cool, I can do that. And tomorrow I'm going to look, wake up and look the same. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's, there's a certain amount of rules that keep, you know, in track or on track when you want to break the rules, quote, unquote. So I think the perfect diet for a lot of people that are cons- – just want to be healthy, live longer, look good, is probably a whole foods diet where you probably don't need to track your calories and macronutrients. Mm -hmm. Eat a decent amount of protein, get loads of fruits and veggies, balance your carbs and fats, how it makes you feel good. Now, as soon as you're an individual that is concerned about body composition, you want muscles, you want abs, you want to be lean, then you need to understand the numbers. You know, you can't get the cover model physique um, or it's rare to without understanding the numbers. And it's at that point where you need to go, right, well, I need to eat a full whole foods diet, but I need to understand my calories, my proteins, my fats, my fiber, and hopefully my micronutrients as well. So it, it definitely depends on the severity of the goal and how geeky you get with your nutrition and the numbers. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. Uh, just on that point, even of like with cheat meals, quote unquote, or whatever, uh, it's very easy, just this simple little 
tip just for listeners. I've talked about this before, but if you're going to, if you're going to go out and you need a bunch of food and you know what, what I do personally is I just save up uh, a lot of those days calories. So like, I'll just kind of eat protein throughout the day, perhaps some vegetables at lunch or whatever, but I'm saving the majority of my, of my carbs and fat for, for my dinner. So I can go eat, you know, two or 3000 calories and really enjoy myself. That's what I want to do. And, um, and really have no difference in terms of, of not that you can even store over it. You know, it, it's, it's hard to, if you're going to, let's say to gain a pound of fat in a day, it's hard to eat 35 ish hundred calories over expenditure. And a lot of that's going to have to be from fat is, you know, it's hard to do that as it is, but just as a tip for people that, especially if you're dieting and you don't, and you're lean and you don't want to set yourself back at all, it's an easy way to, you know, you can just save those calories. I do that, you know, depending on what I'm going to do. It's exactly the same as what I do. Uh, we have Nando's in the UK. I like a Nando's. I went there last night with my girlfriend for dinner. I knew that a full platter with chips and stuff was going to be 1,800 calories. Yep. I just saved it. I ate late, lighter. I ate two light meals during the day, yep. high protein, low fat, low carb, and then I just nailed it at night. Yeah, I actually, and I've come to, I, I tend to do, I, I like to eat larger meals at night anyway, so I tend to mm. do that as it is. I like it for working as well. I like not having a lot of food in me because you know you're probably the same way i'm sure because our we have to think and do like you know what i mean and i like that when i'm not uh, you eat those large meals and there's definitely some lethargy that comes with it i think definitely and you you want to carry on working yeah like eating a big meal takes a lot of time true actually you can't good. cook it as well yeah so if i can graze during the day and then feed at night it help. it definitely helps with my work plan for sure yeah yeah and Obviously, I mean, I think most people listening are going to know this, but there's no downside to eating. I don't care how much, how many carbs. I don't care what you eat when you eat it. There's no downside to that. I eat on average, just for the listeners, my, I'll eat maybe about 250 to 300 grams of carbs at like 10 p.m. at night because I like I'm doing these baked oatmeal dishes, which I'm like basically obsessed with at this point because they're so good. But you know that's that's just because that's how I like to eat. So in, sure. in, it's not like you're going to gain fat by by doing that as long as your numbers are right, like what Ben's saying. Definitely cool. So I think uh, I think that, that that's good on that. Let's move on to this next point here, which is um, you want to talk about, which is people that are under recovering and uh, hitting their training and life at eighty percent all of the time. So, what are your insights on that? Sure. Well. I do an awful lot of uh, public speaking seminars. I do a lot of uh, seminars for trainers and I always sit in the room. These are people that have come to listen to me to learn more about nutrition, training, lifestyle, etc. And I'll look into the eyes of people and most people, I'd say at 80% of the room usually, you can just see that they're just not quite well slept. They're not quite recovering enough. They haven't got the vitality they want. You can just see it in their eyes. Mm. And because we're individuals that are always chasing a goal, we're always trying to think about the next training program, the next day's training, nutrition, our goals. And while that's fantastic, sometimes we don't stand back and think about the rest of our life and how this is affecting the quality of our life as well. Because after all, we get fit, stay fit, look good to enhance our life. Right. You know, Outside of fitness, bodybuilding, whatever you want to call it, we all have a life. We're only in the gym five or six hours a week, etc., um, so, you know, I'm always questioning people. I'm saying, are you going into your training pro, pro, um, are you going into the gym at 80, 90%? And there's so many people that 
are going into the gym and they're just not quite fresh. They're not 100% there. They're trying to take a really strong pre-workout just to feel with it and put the reps in, the time in. Um, so for me, it's again, it's about people stepping back and going, well, maybe you're actually in the gym too much. Can you actually recover from it? Is your sleep consistent? Do you get a lot of bad night sleeps? Do you wake up during the night? Are you at your desk at work or uh, on the site if you're a physical laborer or whatever? Are you there just not quite with it? And it's probably because we're just doing all too much. And I really appreciate that people are pushing towards their goal. They're trying to do the next thing. But you've got to look after your health because when, when that's in order, that's when you can push hard with your training. Yeah. Like I've just taken a, a week off. I went away for a long weekend with my girlfriend, got, you know, got my shit together. Monday, I was absolutely chomping at the bit. Mm. Monday, I was just so ready for the gym. Whereas 10 days ago, I wasn't. I was like, you know, I've got to get this workout done. You know, I'm looking forward to it. And I pushed it a bit too hard. So I just want people to stand back because I hate those days where I go into the gym at 80, 90%. It's just not as fun. Yeah. You know, you can't feel your muscles as well. You can't drive as well. You can't hit that PR. It's all affected. And it's because I think we're just not paying attention to the kind of lifestyle and recovery factors outside the nuts and bolts of training and nutrition. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, I've experienced that myself. Um, I usually, depending on how heavy I'm training and depending on what I'm doing, uh, have to take, I usually don't take a full week off. I usually, what I'll do is like, I'm, I'm normally training Monday through Friday. So every like, it comes down to four to eight weeks, depending on what I'm doing. If I'm doing a lot of really heavy stuff, it's probably closer to four, but I'll take off. Um, I'll probably get in there on Wednesday or Thursday and I'll do a two or three day lighter, kind of just a deload, like a maybe push pull legs or, you know, an upper lower if it's just two days, but it's, it's not super heavy weight. It's just practicing, working on the movements and, and uh, as much as I, I kind of don't like doing it, like it's not like it's fun. Like I'm driving to the gym to do this little weak ass workout that is just whatever. I, I, I like training hard and training heavy. I found it super necessary though. Cause if I don't, I, it, I just like, like what you're saying, it just, the workouts become harder and harder and I don't like them. You know, my dislike for them gets grows larger and larger. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so, cause I hear from people that have that mentality, like, I don't want to take a week off. I haven't taken a week off in five months. Why do I feel like shit? And they're in a calorie deficit. I'm like, that's why. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I'm a big fan of a deload and I get, you know, I, I do it sometimes, but a lot of the time I just say to people, you know, because most people like to go in the gym and they just like to push. Yeah. It's very hard to go in the gym and train at 70, 80% if you yeah. have that kind of mindset. So a lot of the time I just say to people, look, just take a week off. And the reason why I do it myself is I usually tie it into like a break away. Um, maybe I take some time out to like, you know, go do some gardening because I haven't done that for four months or it's a new book and I want to spend more time reading it. So it it allows me to flex to my other interests and go out and kind of do some other stuff. Cause you know, in a normal day, once you've worked, you've been to the gym, you have spent an hour or two with your other half, you know, you've done some jobs. That's kind of your day. And a lot of the time it doesn't actually leave that much time for your hobbies. And I have a lot of hobbies and kind of that break allows me to go, do you know what? I'm going to spend a whole week doing my hobby. Um, you know, whatever that might be. So yeah, I think that's a, good point. that's a good point. People in. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I know how that is too, where I'll just get working so much. Sometimes I'll look and I'll be like, I don't do anything. I don't, fucking, I don't have any, like I have, I play a little golf on the weekend, but yeah, that's kind of around working. So I'll, sometimes I'll realize that like, I don't, I take, I take time to read. So that's good. But uh, that, that speaks to me. 
Mm-hmm. All right. So let's move on to the next point here. And this is overconsumption of caffeine and relying on it, which is what we were just talking about this before the podcast. So I'm curious on your take on this. Yeah, I think I, mean, I, love, I love caffeine. <laughs> uh, hey, who doesn't like caffeine? Come on. Um, but, it, you know, it's, it's a modern social drug. Mm-hmm. You know, it's got and even more so in America, more so than the UK. I think, you know, everywhere you go, you've got like refillable coffee cups. Coffee is just like the thing you do. You have yeah, it at breakfast. It you have it. Yeah, exactly. It's all day. And we're putting uh, an, an, a, an excitatory agent in our bloodstream for literally 16 hours a day. Mm-hmm. And people are sitting there wondering why they can't sleep. While when they take their pre-workout, it doesn't work as well as yeah. they thought it would. Yeah. You know, all this stuff. And it, I'll hear it's from a- people like that sometimes because with my stuff, they'll be like, I didn't feel like – and then to find out their, their normal caffeine take, caffeine intake is like a gram a day. I'm like, well, that's probably why you didn't feel the caffeine in that pre-workout. Like, you're- Exactly. All right. And apart from you know my original comments, we're all performance-minded individuals. When I go in the gym, I want to kill it. And I want that caffeine, you know, pre-workout bolus to work really well for me. So the more sensitive I am to caffeine, the less I have in my blood. When I take that pre-workout, bam, you know, it, it's going to really, really work. But it's yeah. not going to work if I've already got 200 milligrams constantly circulating in my bloodstream. Most people don't sleep properly. Um, they're never quite mentally on the ball. So I'm a real big proponent of a, of a kind of minimum caffeine lifestyle. Um a lot of people have their mental energy as a result of their caffeine. They don't actually know how food makes them feel. Like if they ate breakfast, how does it actually make you feel all the way to lunch? Well, most people don't know because that energy has been driven by caffeine. Right. Um, so it, it's a kind of a modern modern drug, and I'm I'm a big fan of getting people to just realise how other factors in their lifestyle make them feel. Mm-hmm. You know, cause especially sleep. Like if you don't, we we all know how we feel on a bad night's sleep. The next day just sucks. Mm-hmm. So what do you do? You get a bad night's sleep, you wake up the next day, shit, I've slept crap, I need more caffeine, yeah. you take more on board. And then you and sleep it, shitty again. because, And you just get into this massive cycle of never feeling yourself. And that sucks. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I you know... Personally, I don't have much experience with that because like we were, I was talking about before we, we recorded, my body processes caffeine very quickly. Um, so I, I'll have a couple hundred milligrams and it'll it'll get me going. I'll notice a difference for maybe about an hour and then I just feel normal again. And I and, and I, I can go a day without caffeine or with caffeine because the effects are 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 just so trans transient. I don't, it, it doesn't really make a, a difference for my, for my day. It's more like for that hour that I'm working out, I feel something. And by the time I'm at the office, I just feel the same as I would have if I didn't work out in terms of caffeine. You know what I mean? But, um, you know, when, when I see intake, I, I, uh, I wrote an article about this a bit ago. So I did a bit of research on it and from what seemed to be sensible to me and just reviewing a lot of literature on caffeine, um, that the, the general kind of, uh, ever just, uh, across the board, if you keep your intake at or below 400 milligrams a day, and it's also, I, I believe it was recommended that you take, you, you reduce that occasionally as well, uh, and ideally reduce it to nothing. Um, then there are no health risks associated with that. Whereas you start getting in, in some people, they, I know that there are definitely instances where some people could go as high as six to 800 milligrams a day with no, uh, at least negative effects observed in, in the research. But 
you know, that's, those were, that was not the average person, the average person that's, you know, over six, 800 plus milligrams a day. Um, it's, it's not healthy. And in time it could become a problem. Good. It leads, it excites uh, blood pressure, heart rate, you know, so if you're predisposed to all this kind of stuff, it's not, it's not going to lead to a positive outcome. The funny thing is, is, uh, yes, coffee drinkers do live longer, usually about five to six years longer, it's nothing to do with the caffeine. It's everything to do with the antioxidants that are found in caffeine, uh, coffee. So you could get the same from a good organic decaf. Um, it, it actually pains me to talk about American coffee because I know how bad the coffee is that you drink. And that's why I, I hate coffee. I actually it. wish I liked it. I hate the taste. It's disgusting. Oh, really? I fucking oh. hate it. I'm actually kind of jealous when I hear coffee drinkers like talk about their deep love for coffee and how enjoyable it is. Like I don't, I, I, I don't get that experience from any. Like I'd have to eat, you know, like a couple donuts or something to to get that type of like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> See, I have people around my house. People come around, you know, for a coffee drink, and I say to people, you know, what do you usually drink coffee wise? I'm like. And they, we start talking about caffeine. I'm like, right, ma- let me make you amazing decaf. Yeah. And I'll make, and, and you won't want to put sugar in it. You won't want to put milk in it. And every time people are like, oh my God, this is really nice. I'm like, yeah, that's because you drink shit coffee. <laughs> uh, I wish I could like coffee. I've tried it. But even like tiramisu, I don't like. Like the, just the hint of coffee taste is gross to me. Oh, wow. My stupid palate. But I like dark chocolate. Why does that make any sense? They're similar in terms of taste. Yeah, true. Oh, I love dark chocolate. I know. <laughs> Anyways. Um, yeah, so, you know, all, all in all, I think I agree. And I think we're speaking to people that are mo- – there are a lot of caffeine abusers that are listening, no question. Oh, yes. So, you know, again, going back to like I, if you keep your intake – I know, Ben, you said you do what? Uh, 100, 200 milligrams, like that's for your training and then otherwise – yeah, I'll have none in my diet, and then I'll take about 200 milligrams pre-training. Yeah. That's me a treat, uh, and then, then I'm good. And then on the days you don't train, no caffeine. Usually no caffeine if, you know, for some reason. You know, sometimes you're like, I just want a little bit, I want to do it. <laughs> just, it's, I rarely do it. Uh, the only time I usually do it is if I'm doing um, a load of writing, and I lock myself yeah. away. Yeah. I'll take laugh caffeine at a low dose, probably about 80 to 120 milligrams. Yeah. And that gives me a real gentle, real clean focus if I don't have that already. Yeah, yeah, same. I like it for writing as well. Uh, do you pair it with theanine, by the way? Have you tried that? Yes, I do. Um, yeah. It's great. Theanine is fantastic. This is one reason why I like people drinking things like white tea. Mm-hmm. It's got a great combo of caffeine and theanine. Yeah, yeah, I'm a big fan of theanine. It makes a big difference for the, for the listeners. If you try, uh, you know, if you just go one-to-one in ratio, so if it's 100 milligrams caffeine, uh pair it with 100 milligrams of theanine and I remember the first time because I have it in my pre-workout matched with the caffeine where the first time I tried that I was like holy shit I I almost felt euphoric I don't necessarily get that euphoria now but it's definitely a mood booster and it it gives it a smooth I think for me it smooths out the like I get a like the caffeine rush or whatever it's just smoother no crash and it totally improves move totally agree and this is for me, one reason you get the jitters mm-hmm. from a strong coffee, there's no theanine. You have to, and it's great that it's in your pre-workout. 100% recommend that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm a fan. I like tea as well. Uh, one thing I will just say before people go, oh, actually, I might think about dropping my caffeine intake. Whatever you do, just don't go cold turkey. Yeah. You know, if you're drinking five, six, seven cups of coffee a day, if you go cold turkey, you're going to feel like, um, you know, a Withdrawal, junkie. Withdrawal, I mean, yeah. Yeah, 
big withdrawal, big headaches, big low mood. Yeah. Like cut it down slowly, otherwise you'll feel like you're literally dying. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. Um, all right, great. So let's move on to the next point here. The next point, which is. So this is a note from you. So why your results are predicated on your input and reflection on what is going well and what's not. Yeah, so this kind of topic is probably answering a lot of the kind of questions that we will get on a regular basis as kind of practitioners in the field as to, you know, people will say to us, you know, why am I not getting results? I followed this, I did that. And again, it's a critical point of are people standing back and looking at everything that they're doing rather than, you know, because some people focus so much on like, you know, let's say they bought one of your workouts. They're focusing so much on the workout and the result of the workout. They're not looking at the input from everything else, lifestyle, recovery, diet, supplements, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and most people focus on that, that their expectation is predicated just on that. And they're not looking and tracking at the other variables. Um, so people's input of what they're doing will directly uh, have a result on their output, 100%. So if you're putting a lot of effort in one or two areas and you're not happy with stuff, then you need to match that input with all the other factors that contribute to the results that we promote all the time as coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, we talk so much about real simple things like balance, protein, you know, getting all these basics right. But... You know, and people are bored of listening to it, mm-hmm. but people are still not doing it. True, very true. So I'm going to keep telling you to do it until you do it yep. because you're still complaining that you haven't got the results that you expect, mm-hmm. but you're not doing the fundamentals. You're not getting a good night's sleep. You're not busting your ass in the gym when you do it. You haven't got your protein intake consistent, your carbs and fats all over the place. You're cheating too much on you know the main bulk of your foods, all this kind of stuff. If you don't get it, don't complain about your results. Yep. And don't think that some random weird little new thing is gonna is gonna uh, preempt that or allow you to you know ignore the fundamentals and still get the results that you want. Which goes back to some of that fad dieting stuff. Like if you're not if you do not understand energy balance and you don't want to and whatever, then there's a it doesn't really matter what diet you do. The only re- it'll only work for a, maybe work for a bit if it. You know, it just means like you're trying to lose weight and if that if the diet you try restricts the foods that you like to eat that you overeat on, yeah, it'll work to a point. But uh yeah, and that's a, that's just that's a very good point. I think it applies to anything really is like anything I don't know I, that I've gotten into that I've gotten good at and had any success with is it's always come back to the fundamentals. The vast majority of being good, whether it be a sport or, or weightlifting or writing or anything, is just doing a small handful of things really well. And then, you know, then you have that, that brings you above the majority of people in terms of skill and results. And then of course, if you want to, you know, okay, you want to become super at something, then that's where a lot of the other little random things can come into play, but you have to have those fundamentals or the other stuff, the more quote unquote advanced stuff just doesn't matter. Oh, definitely. I think it comes back to being critical again as well as people looking at the stuff they're doing, because the the, the human mind is always going to look for an easier route, an easier option, and something... A shinier widget. Yeah, a shinier widget. And you and me are both still looking for that. But we have a massive bullshit radar. <laughs> and other people have a very small bullshit radar. We've developed our minds to be more critical. So it's not to say that we won't accept a great new theory, right. a great new product, great new technology... 
but we will do our due, due diligence on whatever comes out and make sure it's backed and rational. Uh, and I just want other people to do more of that rather than looking at the shiny objects because the shiny objects are literally five, ten percenters. There's nothing that is going to be more exactly. than five or ten percent. Yeah, and that's probably high. I mean, a lot, yeah. of, them are, a lot like, of them are very, very small. Uh, yeah, I think I think that, you know, and also just looking, and this is my experience with speaking with thousands of people that are kind of in my orbit where the majority of, of, of the people that read my books and follow my websites and whatever, they're not trying to make fitness their life. They're not trying to be a fitness. They're not trying to be a professional bodybuilder. They're not trying to be a professional physique competitor. Um, and really like in their, in a lot of these people's cases, they don't even need to know more than, you know, they could read a book of mine and maybe 10 or 15 articles and for their goals to, to build muscle, they want to get into a good body fat range. You know, they want to look good. They want to feel good, but they don't want to obsess over it. You don't need to know, like you could learn everything you need to know in two days, really. Yeah. In terms of diet and training and literally never read another thing ever again and just go do that stuff. Understand how to set your diet up, understand how to set your weightlifting programs up. And so you don't kill yourself. And so you, you know, you, you get a, a good return on your time in the gym and just do that. And within a year, you have more or less the body you want and, you know, you can still enjoy it and work at it. But I think there's something to be said for not, it doesn't matter if it's my stuff, it could be your stuff, but you understand what I'm saying, that it could be a couple days of studying and you go apply that. And if you never knew another thing, you could be that person in the gym at some point where people come up to you and they're like, how, how do you have that body? How did you do that? And you're like, well, I don't know. I read like a few hundred pages of stuff and I've just been doing it for like five years and that's about it. <laughs> hundred percent. I've got a podcast episode, uh, one, one, seven on my show. And I say, look, if you want to know how to set up a diet for life, just follow this hour's worth of nutrition information yeah. and you could be done. Yeah. That's it. If your goals are just be happy, be healthy, look pretty decent. And, and sometimes that, that's all it takes. And again, it's just the fundamentals, man. Yeah. It's just the fundamentals. Totally. Yeah, that's great. All right. So last point here is sleep. Why, which you had already touched on uh, earlier, but the importance of sleep and, and importance of, of bedtimes and why not enough sleep sucks. And because again, yeah. like caffeine, you know, we, we, a lot of listeners and I'm guilty of it as anybody else uh, abuse caffeine or, or can. I mean, I try, I actually try not to. I tend to be pretty, pretty good on that, but uh, sleep. Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I tend to wake up after about six hours. I just don't like sleep more than that period. So, you know, that's just the way it's been for, for years and years now, but I know that's not, and I don't like, that's fine for me. I don't know, but I know that's not normal. And that wouldn't be necessarily the, the, the normal, that wouldn't be the general recommendation. Maybe I have, you see that research count recently, the genetic polymorphism that, uh, some people have where they like, some people sleep two hours a night and they've done it their entire life and it has no negative effects on them. There's a genetic thing in play. I don't know. Maybe I, I don't. I can't yeah, say that. Yeah. That that would I mean, kill me. But that is a minimal amount of people. Um, I'm sure. similar. I'll sleep six and a half hours, and my body just wakes up. I'm done. That's yeah. all I need. And and that's kind of great because if I slept nine hours, well, well I'd get a hell of a less shit, lot less shit done. I would, um, yeah, I'd, be, I'd be so mad if I had to sleep a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, the thing that people just need to understand is that sleep does literally affect everything, like physiologically, like if people, and this is a big thing, people that struggle with cravings, mm -hmm. you know, if you don't sleep enough, you, it plays havoc with your blood glucose levels, your hunger signals, you know, when I've had a bad night's sleep, it's the only time I crave something sweet. Mm -hmm. and usually I don't have a sweet tooth at all, but your body will just look to try and get more energy 
And it also messes with leptin and ghrelin. Like it messes, it, it t- makes your body say, give me food now. Oh, exactly. And I could just literally eat all day when I'm, <laughs> when I uh, sleep. And, you know, it doesn't help that I've got an ex-fat man living inside me. You know, yeah. I used to be, be an obese man. So he, he wants to eat cake. Trust me. Um, you know, sleep's then going to affect your workout. If you don't get enough sleep, you, you're not going to feel as good um, in uh, your work life. And this is something that I think people don't take enough time to appreciate is how much it affects your family and your loved one's environment. Like if you're tired, mm. you're agitated with each other, you're short with each other, you don't enjoy your relationships, you don't spend time, you might go out for dinner and you want to go home early. Like this factors into your relationships so much. And I know that, um, you know, when I go around, you know, my family's for dinner, if I'm not on the on my ball, I'm not as enjoyable to be around. And no one wants to be that guy. You know, this is why we live life, right? To get the best out of what we do, family, love, that kind of stuff. So it's really, really important. So I'm really dogmatic about sleep. Like 10 o'clock on the clock, I'm like, to my girlfriend, I'm like, right, I'm up to bed. You can stay and watch TV if you want, but I'm kind of gone. Mm. We'll wind down. We'll always be asleep by half 10 at the latest kind of thing because I know how much it affects the next day. If I stay up late, that means I'm going to get up late. It means I'm not going to get as much work done. I don't want to work late because I want to go and enjoy myself. You know, I want to go to the gym. You know, I want to enjoy myself later. So it, it all rumbles into one. And, you know, a lot of the time there isn't anything, unless you're going out, there's nothing good happening past 10 o'clock at night. Yeah. And nothing that can't be recorded on TV now. You know, we've all got recordable box sets. Put it on record, watch it at the weekend. But be in bed for 10, please. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that uh, I, mean, I agree on all points. It's it's one of those things that's easy. Just how it's easy to to inject to consume too much caffeine. It's just easy. It's uh, have another coffee, have another. So it's easy to cut back on sleep. It seems you know, hey, I'll just stay up thirty minutes later, thirty minutes later, thirty minutes later. But but yeah, the effects are, are cumulative. Um, and for me, I start to feel that like if I sleep five hours, which I, I don't intentionally do rarely ever, but sometimes I just don't, you know, I don't know if you've had that. I'll get to bed and I'm just like not very tired. And I'm like, fuck, this is not going to be a good night's sleep. I can just feel it. You know what I mean? I just feel it. I just yeah. like something's off. And then, and then I wake up in the middle of the night or whatever. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's just, if I, if I were feeling like that every day, and I know a lot of people do, I mean, you look at the research on sleep, it's like ridiculous. It's like 30 mm-hmm. something percent of people, at least here in the United States, this was like, as of 2010, I think reported, um, falling asleep, like in the middle of the day, just like sitting at their desk, falling asleep or falling asleep while driving, which is obviously dangerous as shit. Yeah. Uh, like it's, that's, that's yes. bad. I, I don't even get that tired. If I sleep five hours, I've, I've had, I've done that several days in a row. I don't get to the point where I'm falling asleep. I, I just don't feel so great throughout the day. Like well, that, that's, that's uh, severe sleep deprivation. Yeah. That's chronic adrenal fatigue. And if you're in that place, like that's not a good place to be in. That means your body is in, you know, and that will lead to chronic f- to fatigue, chronic mm-hmm. fatigue as well. Mm-hmm. You know, people that can just literally fall asleep anyway, anywhere. And I've known people, I remember coaching my first guy who could did this and he fell asleep in the consultation. Shit. I'm like, you know, I just put him, he was in that much of a relaxed state or as a relaxed as he's ever going to get and just fell asleep. And he's like, yeah, I do it all the time. I'll get to lunchtime and I'll have to pull over in a lay by and go to sleep. And I'm like, Dude, that's not normal. Yeah, that's and this is why I value sleep so much. Like, if I sleep well, my productivity the next day is literally double. Yeah, literally, just it's just astronomically different. And as someone who's self-employed, like my income is related to what I put in. Yeah, and, and no one's there to tell you. You got to get up. You got to get in front of that computer and do it. No one's going to tell you. Like, it's easy just to be like, oh well, today. 
Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So Dude, productivity is everything to me. Yeah, same, same. I was just driving home the other day and there was a dude, light screen, he's not going. Uh, I'm, I'm next to him. So I'm driving by, I look over and it's an old guy either passed out like or something, <laughs> right? I, I, I was like, is this guy asleep? And I, so I slowed down and someone's honking behind him and nothing's happening. I'm like, dude, does this guy have a heart attack? So I, so I turn around because I'm going to go and see, like, is this guy fucking dead? Like, what is going on? He was pretty old. And uh, someone ran up to the car and was, like, tapping on his window. And he was asleep. But he was the guy. He, not even a horn blasting woke him up. Like, somebody had to go and, like, bang on his window. Like, is this guy – do I need to call 911? What is going on? Wow. Jeez. That's – that Florida. That's bad. Florida drivers are so bad. It's just a known thing here. Gee, hope the guy made it home. <laughs> yeah, no, he woke up and then he drove off. I'm like, holy, that guy's on the road, dude. He's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, all right, so cool. Um, I, that's everything we had on the on on the agenda. I think it's a, a good length too. So, um, uh, yeah, I appreciate I appreciate you. It's always fun talking with you. I appreciate people that like you that, um, you know, are you're, you're fun to talk to and you know what you're talking about. So. I appreciate you coming on the show. Where can people find you and your work? Sure. Well, uh, firstly, thanks for getting me on uh, after you came on my show, which was uh, really cool. Um, my name's Ben Coomber, C-O-O-M-B-E-R. People can find me all over the internet if they search Ben Coomber. Um, my show on iTunes is number one in the UK, Health and Fitness. Uh, we've done 155 episodes so far. So if you put in Ben Coomba Radio into iTunes uh, or whatever podcast doodah you use, then you will find me, uh, download me, listen to one of the shows. Hey, maybe even download the show that me and Mike did um, and get that as your first listen. And then otherwise on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, I am Ben Coomba. Um, but if that bedazzles you, if you hit bencoomba.com, you will find everything that will link to my stuff there. Cool. Awesome. And, and what do you have uh, coming up? Like, what are your projects you have on your plate right now? Um, my big project that keeps revolving is um, I run an online education course. Um, we have an intake every six months. We take a big group of people. We take them through a, um, a year to two years worth of learning on nutrition. It's a full-blown certification. So I do wow. a lot of education. I, I didn't even know trainers. that. Dude, catch up. Yeah, I mean, I, I I've looked at your stuff, but I didn't realize it. I didn't realize it's that it's that long. Actually, that's what I didn't know. Yeah, the first bit's two two months, which is like a foundation level. Then there's a, a year's learning, which is very practical, very hands on, very in depth. And then there's a ten month advanced level for the the true geek. But that's really tough stuff. You got to be ready for that. Um, and then uh, I've just brought out a couple of books and stuff. But if people head on over to bencoomba.com, it will it will link everywhere. So if you want to geek out on my work. Um, please do head on over and have a look. And, you know, again, after this show, hit me and Mike up on Twitter, start a conversation, tell us what you thought of the show. I, I love to hear about people. Yeah, yeah. All right, man. Thanks again for taking the time, and uh, we'll have to do it again. We'll, we'll come up with a reason to do another one. Sure. All right, man. <laughs> Enough reason to run. <laughs>